0: Hey, good morning, friends. How's everybody this morning? Good morning, everyone joining us online this morning. In case we haven't met before, my name is Steph Roller, and I'm not on staff here at Orchard Hill Church, but I get to be on the teaching team once in a while. And this summer, we're doing this series called What Is? We're just answering a lot of questions. So have you ever heard the expression childlike faith or faith like a child? Well, early in my faith, someone who'd been a Christian much longer than I had surprised me by saying, I don't really need to do Bible studies or understand scripture because I have faith like a child and that's all I need. Well, I didn't know really how to respond to that, but it didn't ring true to me that Jesus meant that I should remain uh, naive and uneducated about my faith. So it turns out the expression faith like a child doesn't even exist in scripture. Kind of like there's no verse that says God helps those who help themselves. But still, I wondered, what does Jesus mean when he says we should become like children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? And why was it such a big deal when the disciples were trying to keep kids away from Jesus and he said, no, let them come to me anyway? So will you think about this question with me this morning? What does being childlike have to do with our faith? So I'd like to dig right in with a passage from the Gospel of Mark. And here Jesus is in a house in Capernaum. And while traveling there, his disciples had been arguing about which of them was the greatest, who's the goat. And they're kind of embarrassed about Jesus catching them in this argument. But here's what Jesus says. This is in Mark 9, and we're in verses 35 through 37. So, sitting down. Now, I always imagine Jesus doing this with like a big sigh, like, okay you guys sitting down he calls his disciples to him and he says anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all and then he had a child stand among them and then he took that little child in his arms and he said whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Now, Jesus is talking about becoming last by using a child to demonstrate it. And I want you to hang on to this idea for a minute because Jesus equating being last, being the least, with being a child is really different than we think today, isn't it? Don't we put kids on a pretty high pedestal? So hang on to this for a minute. Jesus using the idea. Of children to demonstrate being last and we're going to take a look now at a similar passage in Luke's biography and here Jesus is teaching and telling parables and this is going on people were bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them and when the disciples saw this they rebuked them but Jesus called the children to him and said let the little children come to me And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. Now, in the middle of this story about Jesus letting kids come to him, don't miss the really important bomb that Jesus just dropped on us. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of heaven, like a little child, will never enter it. That's a pretty firm statement. He doesn't say we're going to have a hard time getting into the kingdom. He says if we don't receive it like a child, we will never enter it. Never. That's a really long time. So taking Mark and Luke together, Jesus is equating being the least, being last with being a child. And he tells us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who are becoming like children in some way. And we can't even get into the kingdom unless we make this transformation. I think we wanna figure out how to make it. So how am I supposed to become like a child? What does that mean? Why are children an example of being last? And why were those disciples being such jerks about keeping kids away from Jesus anyway? Well, one problem that we have today as modern followers of Christ is that we don't always understand the culture and context of the ancient world. Today we put children as a high priority. We name them before they're even born. We read books about how to parent. We give them the best education possible and we spend vast amounts of time and money and energy to make sure they are ranked highly compared to everyone else's kids by what they wear or what they do or how they succeed. We even set our own value as adults based on what other people think about our kids, don't we? So when we read these verses about children, we tend to try and make sense out of it based on our own worldview, And that's why I've heard people try to interpret this message by listing great things about children and how we should embrace those characteristics. And then we will find the kingdom of heaven. Things like children laugh and have joy and wonder and curiosity. And those are great things. But is that what Jesus is telling us in these passages? I think that's just bringing our own worldview to Scripture, because kids also have some um, less than great traits too, don't they? I mean, children aren't always laughing and joyful and wondrous, are they? At least my kids weren't. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Not always. Most of the time, they were delightful, and I love them as adults, but they were also self-centered and demanding and absolutely unaware of other people's needs, because if they were aware of other people's needs, they would have figured out before the age of 10 that I would have liked five minutes in the bathroom all by myself. (laughs) I mean, really? I've talked to a million moms about this. Your kid has no idea where you are until you go into the bathroom. They had bad manners, they were uneducated, and sometimes told fibs and tantrums. And so I belong to that parenting club called, I have no idea who that screaming child of Satan belongs to. And now that my kids are grown, I can just look back and laugh about all that because they're wonderful. But for those of you who are still going through the job and grinding out, trying to teach your kids that they are not the center of the universe, don't worry all of her kids were that way. So wait, what? Children are an example of the least, the last, but wait, sometimes they also think they're the center of the universe? So in what way should I become like a child? What characteristics does Jesus think that we should follow? And I sure hope it's not the following my mom into the bathroom thing, because I'm just positive she's not gonna go for that anymore. So in order to understand why Jesus chose children as example of the last, the least, we have to take a look at children of the ancient world. And then we'll ask Matthew to teach us how we should become like those children. So there was a Norwegian theologian, O.M. Bake, I hope I'm saying that right, who wrote a book called When Children Became People, The Birth of Childhood in Early Christianity. And in it, he describes what life was like as a child in the ancient world. Children were considered stupid, physically weak and cowardly. A dominant reason to have children was so that you would have someone to take care of you in your old age. Often, children were not named and counted as part of the family until their eighth or ninth day of life. And before that day, they could be left outside to die of exposure, a practice that was not only legal, but socially acceptable in the Roman Empire. Maybe you needed a son to take on some work in the family business, and so a girl child was just not needed. Totally understandable. Now, it's hard for us today to even wrap our minds around that, isn't it? But children were also routinely set to heavy labor. They were exploited in horrific ways and abused, and child rearing was often left to servants or to a wet nurse, and not so much by doting helicopter parents. So that's not to say that they weren't loved, okay? Don't mishear me. It was just a different culture. And they did not have the status and place in the world that children enjoy today. They were the bottom of society. So it is into this world, this context, that Jesus uses children as an example of the least, the last, and it is into this context that the disciples are trying to keep kids away from Jesus because they're the bottom. And it is in this context that our Lord says, no, no, bring them to me anyway. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these, these children who have no rights and no status and can be cast aside or abused or ignored or mistreated or even killed with no consequence. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So as I was working on this teaching, right here I got a little sidetracked. And I'm gonna take you on this sidetrack with me because I began wondering how should these words directly from Jesus shape my view of other people today. When Jesus uses the phrase, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, who might he mean today? Who's the bottom? Do I have a group of people, or maybe even a specific person who I consider less than, undeserving of the kingdom, maybe expendable? Do I do that? Who do I think could be metaphorically tossed on the trash heap like those children of the ancient world? Who today is it acceptable for me to dismiss? And I wonder. Who puts me or you in that category? Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, the least, the last, the bottom. So back to being childlike. I still don't know, how am I supposed to become like a child, like do I get a tanker truck of Botox? to try to get rid of all my wrinkles? Do I forget about all of my adult responsibilities and can I just take up hula hoops and swings and play in the creek all day again? Well luckily Matthew gives us the final clue that we need to get this figured out and we're in Matthew 18 verses three through four. And he, do we have this slide? And he, Jesus said, i tell you the truth unless you change and become like little children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven well that sounds just like what mark and luke said right therefore okay here it comes i love it when you get a therefore in the bible because it means an action's about to happen i'm an action kind of girl so because of this then this therefore whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. No Botox required. Hula hoops and swings, I think those are still optional, but required, the, the way we need to become like children is that we need to humble ourselves. If you have been a Jesus follower for even a short time, It's no surprise that you need to humble yourself, right? Jesus humbled himself to become a lowly infant, and we just heard about what that was like in the ancient world. He humbled himself to wash his disciples' feet. He humbled himself to death on a cross. But what does Jesus mean when he says to us, humble yourself like a child? Isn't that the question? How are children humble? So I look for some examples that Jesus himself could confirm for me so that I wasn't corrupted by my own worldview. And here's the first one. Children imitate. Children are humble enough to follow someone else's lead. They learn by watching and imitating. When we were young parents, Todd and I took our oldest son, Brock, who was a toddler, to the Maid right. And we had him in one of those, you know, brown restaurant high chairs that they all have. And Brock watched as Todd began to dip his french fries in ketchup. Now, Brock had no idea what ketchup was. It could have tasted terrible, it could have been poisoned, but he knew that if his dad was doing it, he was going to do it too, and so he began to dip his french fries in ketchup, and it was then that I realized how important giving a good example was going to be in raising our kids, because they were gonna watch us and imitate us doing everything, not just what we ate, but everything. Now, The first time your kid says a swear word, (laughs) then you and your spouse can have this nice discussion about who they're imitating. (laughs) I am not a good example to follow. Maybe we should imitate Jesus. That's a humble thing to do, And who better to imitate than the author and perfecter of our faith? And Jesus says so himself in John 13. Now, do you remember how Jesus got down and took a towel and washed his disciples dirty, disgusting feet? And when he did that, he then said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have done that, you should do that to each other. Do what I do, Jesus says, imitate me. And in order to imitate someone, I think you need to know who they are. And so I will politely disagree with my friend who said that we don't need to read or understand scripture. I think we do if we want to imitate Jesus. Second thing kids do, they ask questions. That's a humble thing to do because it acknowledges that we don't know everything. And they ask awesome, humble, honest questions, don't they? Mom, why do fireflies light up at night? Mom, how come Grandpa has skinny hair for my balding father? Mom, do fish have to swim all the time, or do they get to sleep? They think that someone else might have an answer to something they don't know, but as adults, we think we should know everything and have it all figured out or else pretend that we do. And so sometimes we don't ask honest questions, we ask questions like this. What makes her qualified to get up there? why would she do? why would you do that snarky sarcastic type questions where you think you already know the answer so for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with humility we as adults do not ask honest seeking to learn something new questions but jesus loves questions even from adults and maybe especially about faith and how do we know that because he met with a religious leader named Nicodemus during the night to answer questions. Now, this is not a very convenient time to meet, is it? During the night, in the middle of the Roman Empire, when you've already made a whole bunch of enemies, but Jesus does it anyway. And it is to Nicodemus, at this nighttime question and answer session, that Jesus gave us the most famous and well-known passage in our whole Bible, John 3 where he reveals that God sent his only son to save us. So if we can humble ourselves to ask real questions, maybe we'll get greater answers than we expect. Nicodemus did. So can we humble ourselves enough to ask and humble ourselves even more to listen? About a week or so ago, I met with a young member of our church who had some faith questions and he had some pretty specific questions too about why we do or don't do certain things here at orchard hill church and with his permission i'm going to share one of those questions with you he asked why we tell a lot of stories in our teachings i mean we could just get up here open the bible and read through it verse by verse couldn't we what a great question and he asked it in a sincere and childlike way of really wanting to understand the answer and I so appreciated that. So I'm gonna share the answer with you. It's not for the entertainment value. As much as I love to stand up here and have y'all laugh at me and the dumb things I do in my life, the choice to incorporate stories and life into our teachings is deliberate on the part of the teaching team because we are trying to imitate Jesus. We're trying to think and teach the way Jesus taught. How did he teach? He used stories and parables. And there is not one time that we record him standing up and teaching in an expository manner where he just taught verse after verse after verse. He just didn't do it. So I love this question, and I actually get it all the time, but it's often framed in that more accusatory adult way, like this. Why don't you teach more biblically? The truth is, we are. We are trying to teach the way that Jesus taught. Next thing that children do that's humble is they trust for everything, for every need. And we believe that our parents were provided, right? So when I was a kid, like many of you, I played and played outside all day long. And what time did I have to be home? when the streetlights came on, exactly. And I trusted that when I got there, my mom would have dinner for me, and a hot bath to wash my disgusting, tar-blackened bare feet, and a bed to sleep in. And it never occurred to me to wonder where that was coming from, or to worry if they had enough money, or to even understand what went into it. I just trusted them to provide. Jesus modeled this when he came as a helpless baby. That is amazing trust in the Father's plan. And Jesus talks about it some more in Matthew 6 when he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear, for the pagans run after all of these things. Your father knows that you need them and they will be given to you as well. But first, seek his kingdom. Part of seeking the kingdom is humbling yourself enough to trust God more than you trust yourself. So children humble themselves by imitating, by asking questions, by trusting all things that Jesus confirmed that we should do. And I have one final thought on childlike humility towards God. A child has nothing that their parents need, nothing. We have nothing that God needs, nothing. He doesn't need our money. Every resource in the universe belongs to him already, and he's sure not going to go out and buy anything. He doesn't need our time. He is the beginning and the end. He doesn't need me to stand up here and talk. He spoke the world into existence, but he is absolutely delighted when we try to please him anyway. He delights in our time, our gifts, our voices, in the same way parents cherish a macaroni necklace or a burned breakfast in bed on Mother's Day, or a delightful bouquet of dandelions. Perhaps the most difficult way for us to humble ourselves like a child is to realize, as adults, that God doesn't need one single thing from us. To realize that we can't give him anything he can't provide for himself other than our love. And that thought has really changed my faith. You see, I couldn't quite get over thinking there must be some kind of transaction required between me and God. Surely, he must need me to provide something more valuable than myself. But I have been working on humbling myself like a child, like his child. So I invite you to give this a try. When you give a gift, Or volunteer or pray or come to worship try to think of it as if you are bringing a gift to your father and try to give it with the same love and childish thrill that you had when you gave your mom a worthless macaroni necklace can you remember that and try to imagine because it's true that God receives that gift with the same unconditional love and delight. And how can we know that? Because Jesus told us to give all of our heart and soul and strength and mind to God, and because Nicodemus asked questions. And Jesus told him how much God loves us kids, enough to send his one and only son to die for us. So what is a childlike faith It is a faith of total humility, a faith that imitates Jesus, a faith that both questions and trusts the answers, a faith where we absolutely realize that we are the least, that we bring him nothing that he needs. And yet, and yet, when we accept that humble position, he thinks we are the greatest you can step into that place of humility and enter the kingdom of God right now. And if you have any questions about what that might look like, reach out to me or anyone on staff. But will you pray with me? God, I don't even know how to ask forgiveness for all of the times I don't humble myself that I don't imitate you, that I don't trust you, that I don't ask honest questions. Please forgive me and all of us for that. And now will you help us to follow the example of our Lord Jesus? Help us to go forward with a childlike faith, trusting and believing in you and giving all glory, honor, and praise to Jesus. Amen. Amen.